You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podbean. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike, the Cranky Fan. Grump, this week I am the happy fan because this is just about as perfect of a weekend as I can possibly have. We are very off-brand today. We are very off-brand today. We're calling it Audible because I hit the triple crown this weekend of three of my teams beating bitter rivals. We had the mighty East Lake Eagles shutting out Tarpon forty-two nothing. Good job, Eagles. <laughs> went, I went down to Florida for the. Uh, They're all going March. to prom now. That's right. I might join them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We well, whatever. Uh, <laughs> um, Saturday went down to Jacksonville for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. Even though there was about ten thousand people instead of the normal eighty thousand, and Florida whipped Georgia's ass. So we will be go- most likely going back to Atlanta for the SEC game for the first time in a law in four years. So that's very exciting. And then come back in the nick of time on Sunday to see the New York football giants being their personal bitches again, the Washington football team. Yeah. Yeah. You said Weekend. it. <laughs> personal bitches. We, we are the, the <laughs> dominatrix of the division there. Um, it was great. I mean, it's it's great to see uh, they, they. While the score ended up being close, twenty three to twenty, um, this was a game where we saw the Giants finally capitalize on all their opportunities and not squander them. Um, you know, still some things to be cleaned up for sure, and we're going to get into all of that stuff. But overall, you know, jumped out to an early lead, never let it go. Yeah, I mean, the, the first way you're no longer losers lose is by actually winning. Yeah. And, you know, that they they did what they had to do. I mean, it was a I – mean, let's – I think we're still seeing a lot of griping from Giant fans and saying, well, if we played this team or something and, you know, we're not that good. It's like we're not losing sight of what this team is right now. This is not a very good team that beat a team that's worse than them. And the – you know, the – the play on the field showed it, but you have to start somewhere. You have to start winning these games. They've been knocking on the doorstep for the last month against teams that are about the same as they are or better. And they finally, uh, you know, as, as hard as they tried, they they hung on and we, we got a much needed win. So yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't get that. I mean, I, I understand that this isn't a super impressive win in retrospect when you look at 2020 in a nutshell and you look at who they beat but like you said I mean we're, we're coming close against teams like Tampa Bay <clears throat> and then what are they supposed to do lose this game to prove something to you they won a game they are supposed to win this is a good thing I mean yeah. I, I don't understand complaining it. about it yeah yeah I mean first of all it's not like we have wins like you know three times a month and it's just like you're disappointed it's like we don't win anymore we don't we never win and to complain like we're like we're a nine and two team that, you know, struggle against a bad team and we're not going to make the playoffs or you're not going to home field because of it. It's ridiculous. You know, if you haven't figured it out yet, you know, we're still rebuilding and we are looking for 
things to build on, and we saw some things to build on this week. So if you're going to constantly complain, pick up another hobby, please. Yeah, yeah, I don't understand. Um, so let's get into a little bit of why people are complaining. So the Giants jumped out to a, a fairly early lead. Um, at one point, we're up 20-3, to and then at halftime, we're up 20-3, to and then we're looking at a game that ended 23-20. to Um so I, I, you know, it appears if if you didn't watch the game that they kind of took their foot off the gas in the second half. It really wasn't like that. Um, I'm gonna say my 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 two theories as to why Washington was able to come back into this game, um, aside from some things that obviously went wrong, and we'll get into those separately. But first of all, early on in the game, I believe late first quarter, maybe early second quarter. Uh, Jabril Peppers was blocked into uh, quarterback Kyle Allen, and he broke his leg, foot, ankle, something in that area. Um, you know, foot's going the wrong direction, uh, and he has to come out. Dwayne Haskins is inaf- inactive for this game, so Alex Smith comes off the bench. Um, Alex Smith and Kyle Allen are completely different styles of quarterback. At one time, I would say they're kind of the same style, you know, guys who can throw with plus mobility, um, use their mobility mostly to escape outside the pocket, extend plays, etc. Um, but Alex Smith isn't that guy anymore. Not since, you know, he had his own compound fracture. Um, and he's um, also in his upper 30s, too. Yeah. So he probably wouldn't be that, even if in, a, in ideal situations, he wouldn't be that probably that quarterback anymore. So Right. So there, there's two things at play here. One, Alex Smith is in my in my personal opinion, from the pocket, a better quarterback. He's a more experienced quarterback, he's smarter, he's calmer, and he throws a good ball. Kyle Allen is is fine, but he's not an NFL starter. I think if Alex Smith had two healthy legs, he'd undoubtedly have been the starter for this team. Um, Do you have any debate with that whatsoever? None. In fact, that was going to be my point. It was just, you know, a a quarterback came in that they were not prepping for, and... yes. You know, that's an element of, you know, it's a wrinkle that, you know, the NFL is all about preparation. It's all about, you know, game planning, especially, you know, we've been saying all year that, you know, without the off season, that time is lost because you can't make up the time to work on fundamentals and work on scheme and all these different things during the season. During the season, it's about recuperating from last week and getting into game film for your next opponent going forward. So, you know, when you prepare for something, you know, you think you have everything buttoned up, especially when the Giants this week had uh, a short week because of the Monday night game and it gets completely changed. You know, you're going to see, you know, kind of the results you saw. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. You know, by the time training camp ends and 53 men are chosen, there's no working on how we can get better. It's... It, no, there's no working on how individuals get better. It's how we as a team get better. You know, there, there's no working on fundamentals. I mean, there should be, but there just isn't time. Um, no. You know, it the just, rules are different. The rules are different than they used to be. You know, you don't have two days anymore, and you know, there's such a a premium. You know, and it's been you know negotiated by the the players' association and the owners too. Like the amount of the amount of practice time during a week, the amount of uh, physical contact. I mean, it's, it's all about mental health and it's all about just 
you know, recovery and all these different things. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it, it's all about – It's a lot of lot film of- work, what we did wrong, what we need to clean up as a team. It's a lot of film work and a lot of walkthroughs and a lot of prep for the next week and that's it. There's no anything else. Um, the second thing is – and I think people don't realize this. Division games are weird and it's really not complicated as to why. When you play an opponent and you do all of this prep work, you can look at what they do, what they've done all year, find a weakness, and say, this works to our strength, we can exploit it, and you can shock a team. You know, we played Tampa Bay down to the wire. And now, I may not think Tampa Bay is as good as ESPN may think Tampa Bay is good, but (laughs) I have... I think New Orleans agrees with you also. I have little doubt that if we were to play Tampa Bay again, that it would go as smoothly for us. I think a second time around would actually blow us out. Why? Because they would have all the time in the world to review what went wrong in that game, what they were not prepared for, and prepare for it. You know, when you play a division opponent twice, this is what happens. You know, you get prepared. Right. And also, that preparation begins as you're building your 53-man roster, too. Of course. Because you you know who your, you know, the teams, not only you're going to see twice, but who you need to beat to win your division. So you kind of, you know, you craft your team to be, you know, a, a bad mismatch for the three teams around you. If you look at every division, they all are kind of similar teams in the, within their own little bubble. So, yeah, the familiarity is there, uh, you know, the, the playing so much to, against each other. So it's 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 no secret. And also, we just played Washington, what, three weeks ago? Yeah, Not they're all crammed th- together this year. They weren't spaced out like, you know, in some season you play them on week three and then week 15. It happened pretty close. Yeah. And and quite frankly, when you're preparing for this game, preparing for Kyle Allen and preparing for Alex Smith, in my opinion, at this stage of the career, is different. I, I think that defensively we spent a lot of time worrying about containing the quarterback in the pocket and, you know, you know shutting down those first two seconds and then kind of just doing scramble drill work. And I don't think you play Alex Smith the same way that you play Kyle Allen. Um, and that's not to excuse anything, but I, I, it explains why they were... Because you could see, you know, the, the first couple drives with Alex Smith, they were pretty bad. I mean, they went pretty much backwards. Um, and then once he got into his rhythm, we were kind of just flailing. You know, he was just staying in the pocket and finding the open man. Kyle Allen is not that great of a quarterback when it comes to just reading a defense, understanding the concepts and where the weakness is going to be in the defense. I mean, he's a little bit well, he's more also, of just He's movement. also a backup. He's exactly. also a backup yes. with, li- with limited NFL experience. Well, I mean, let's be yeah. honest. Alex Smith be, may be playing as a backup, but is not a backup. No. I mean, it's the situation he's in. But uh, Kyle Allen, and also he's not some sage old grizzled veteran who they brought in. He's not Ryan Fitzpatrick who they, you know, he's a backup where they need him to play. I mean, Kyle Allen is, how old is he? 24, 23. Yeah. He's not, not that old. This is so, going, I would be surprised if this was not the highlight of his NFL career is this season. I agree. So that's my, my theories as to why this game was closer than, I, I think if Kyle Allen played this whole game, I think this game might've been, a little bit, and not a blowout, but I don't think that we would have been chewing our nails down to the bone in the last four minutes or so of that game. Well, we gave up some, you know, the worst thing that can happen, you have a kind of a, a significant lead is just giving up big plays and big yeah, chunk and you plays. you said this so last time, quickly. too. Yeah. 
I mean, that's the thing. It drives me up a wall. It's like the hardest thing for a team to do, make them, if they're down two scores or even three scores, make them earn that first one. Yeah, sure. You know, Dink and dunk. The, Take all the time the, you need. Chew the clock. You know, let them, if they have to burn a timeout or something, make it happen. If you're up 17 or you're up 21, a 50, 60 yard touchdown play just makes the game so much longer for him. And it's, it's the worst thing that can possibly happen. Now I know people complain about, Oh, the prevent prevents you from winning. No, more times than not, the prevent helps. I mean, you know, I like with everything, nothing is perfect. And you know, there's when a team plays in the prevent, sometimes they lose. It's like, ah, every single time. No, no, no. It's not every single time. The majority of the time, that's what you need to do is preventing the big play from happening. And, uh, you know, you have those chunk plays and they're right back into it. Well, I mean, I think, you know, you go into the prevent defense in, in four minutes is different than going into the prevent defense at the beginning of the third quarter. You know, when people yeah. say the prevent prevents you from winning, that's what they mean. You know, you don't stop what you're doing just because you're ahead. I mean, the right. prevent defense in four minutes when you're up by two scores is the right thing to do because, again, you make them bleed the clock for that first score if they even get it. And, you know, now now they are fighting two enemies. They're fighting you and they're fighting the clock. That's the idea and, behind And let's that. be honest. And, and the second thing also besides how they got back into it is let's be honest. This really isn't a very good offense. I mean, well, okay, yeah. we're not the worst running team in the history of the universe anymore. But it's still not a good running offense. It's still not. I'm going to disagree with that. But um, this is not an offense that's going to, you know, consistently when you have a lead, you know, bang out yardage, bang out first downs, bang out time of possession. Maybe I'm not going to disagree with that. But what I'm saying is, in this game, that wasn't the problem. In this game, like you said, it's the big play. You know, and for this game, it was some. It was some covered screw ups, but. Again, again, and this happened when they first played. Bad tackling. Oh, my God. The, the Terry McLaurin touchdown should have never happened. I mean, right. he got yeah. slammed right then, but nobody wanted to wrap him up, specifically Isaac Yadam. <sighs> so Isaac Yadam is getting a fart for me, and, you know, it's not Absolutely. a surprise. He played okay the week before, but really he lost his his spot on the roster to Ryan Lewis. He's got to come back in because Lewis has a, a hamstring issue. And this was an area of concern. You know, we knew this. Um, getting this team a second corner to play opposite James Bradbury, that's respectable starting caliber, goes a long way into improving this defense. But we're not there yet. So we're stuck with Isaac Adam, and a quarterback like Alex Smith has time in the pocket to figure out defensive concepts, where the weakness is. The weakness is Isaac Adam, and he abused him time and time again in zone coverage. You know, man coverage, I don't think he's that bad, but I, I think overall this team isn't very good on defense in the secondary for us to run a consistent man concept. So he just waits for guys to cross into Yadam's zone before Yadam can get there. And lo and behold, Cam Sims has the the play of his – the play, the, the game of his career. Um, and, you know, I, I'm hitting on my, – my two farts for this game are, are right here. Is Isaac Yadam did not have a good game. Had a specifically had a bad game, and overall in general, the tackling was bad. I mean, even Blake Martinez was making tack missing tackles out there this week. Looked like a team that you know, you're kind of like, oh, big deal. It's only one day less preparation and practice time after a Monday night, but it looked like a team that looked ragged. A little bit, yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if that's the excuse we're gonna we're gonna go with, but you know, it just it looked like a team that just didn't look very crisp. You know, tackling for sure. 
Oh, definitely. I mean, even right off the bat, you know, the first play from scrimmage for Washington was a, a wheel route or, or some something. No, I don't think it was a wheel route. It was, it was like a crossing route of some kind or some outside cutting route where he just rounded the corner and Gibson's just flying up the sideline. It ended up that he ended up fumbling and then for another 25 yards, the Benny Hill theme played while everyone tried to jump on the ball. We wound up with it, but defensively, that was a bad play. And it was right from the get-go. It was it was poor angles and poor tackling. Well, I mean, as we're still rebuilding, you know, there's going to be inconsistency. And, you know, you would love to see that the trajectory going up and up and up every week is getting better, better, better. You're going to have hiccup weeks like this. And this was one of them. You know, fortunately, we played a Washington and we didn't play, you know, some high powered offense that would you know, really make us pay. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I 100% agree. Um, I don't know. Did you have any? Those are my those are my two farts for the week. Yeah, I mean, I, I really don't have much to say on, on the fart level. For, other than that, I mean, I think you kind of nailed it. Um, you know, it's that that those are the two fart worthy ones for me. Yeah, I'm gonna throw in my dishonorable mention. I can't give him a fart. I can't, but I can definitely you know throw some things his way. Um, and that's Evan Ingram again. And the reason I can't give him a fart is because he had a great catch for a touchdown. I mean, good throw, a throw that only Evan Ingram could catch, but still, I mean, fingertip catch right there in the end zone was, was beautiful. Um, that's, and what makes it, that's what makes it so frustrating. 100%. And, it, you know, lo and behold, it's on a uh, vertical route up the seam. You know, who would have thought Ingram would be good at that? Um, but, you know, followed by – followed by – I mean, throughout the game – Two costly drops. You know, one was a crucial uh, first down earlier in the game. Uh, sorry, sorry. Very late in the game. You know, as we're talking about the, the Giants get the ball back. They have the lead. The lead now been cut to, I think it was cut to three points at that point. And all they had to do really was just run out the clock. Was that like the 17-second drive at the end? Was that the, the Yeah, yeah. Drive? Right before, yeah. yes, yeah. correct. They have about, there was like two minutes and 18 seconds left. The Giants were only, no, I think I think that's wrong. I think it's the drive before that. They had a, okay. a couple of first downs on that drive, and then on first and ten, they threw to Ingram and just just right off his hands and into his face mask, and he gotcha. drops it. Then the reason that's not so bad is because it was first down. We had two other opportunities, but this offense but is good enough for for, <laughs> right. for starters. But still, and then second of all, this offense isn't good enough to recover from a play that works. The design works. The guy's open. The throw is on target. For somebody to do something as stupid as just not catch it. It's not good enough to recover from that. It's not good enough to recover from holding. It's not good enough to recover from a sack. We need positive plays all the time. Even if the throw is only five yards and doesn't get you a first down. We know that this, you know, offense is being put together with spit and gum. You know, we have, you know, there's some receivers that have no business being on NFL rosters that are on this team. So, when you are quote unquote most talented, biggest mismatch, you know, high investment guy, you know, first round picks a high investment, you know, continuously, you know, to be generous for him is inconsistent. You know, to be realistic is unreliable. You know, it, it just simply can't happen anymore. Right. The other one, the other drop he had was much earlier in the game, was in my opinion worse because again, hit him right in the hands. He muffed it, and then he's like flying his arms around, smacking the ball in every direction. Very nearly was intercepted. 
Right. I, I was I was sitting there clutching the arms of my chair, ready to rip it apart, <laughs> because this is the time and time again the stupid bullshit that winds up being an interception, and then I for for a week I have to listen to dumb media heads. And then it trickles down to Giants fans that are just negative about Daniel Jones is good. Another turnover for Daniel Jones. Blah, 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 blah. Well, meanwhile, this first-round pick from the previous administration can't catch a fucking ball. Just can't catch it. Well, that also, and also the fact that he had a fumble went out of bounds is being treated like it was four turnovers. You know, it's, a, it's like a. It's like I, the no fumble, I don't even know if the fumble. I never saw a replay from that, and the all twenty-two film last time I checked was not up yet. I still don't know if that fumble even actually occurred. I mean, I think yeah. he was already out of bounds. I mean, I've never seen a game with a, a zero like for turnovers with the biggest asterisks you ever have. I mean, it's like the Roger Maris asterisks for hitting sixty-one homers. I mean, it, I think it's, it's worse like, than that. It's being said in the same breath, like no turnovers, but the fumble. Yeah. Like, uh, well, well, it wasn't, and it was out of bounds, and didn't matter. So that's okay. I mean, if somebody throws like a, you know, it should be a certain pick six, but it's dropped. You put an asterisk for that one. Well, it should have been an interception. No. So I mean, narratives will always narrate, and this is another one where people are trying to further that narrative along. So yeah, he's he's my dishonorable mention. Um, you know, and like you said, what's so frustrating? I mean, he also got called for the OPI. Um, I think I'm just coming to terms that at this point in 2020, in 2019, 2018, I must not know what an OPI is. I must not because, you know, sometimes that's called on the crossing route. Other times it's not. Last week when we played Tampa, we ran fucking a mesh play. That's not OPI in any – I see every other team in the league do it. We get called for OPI. And then last night, Tampa Bay and, and New Orleans, I watched Gronk run right up to Janoris Jenkins, shove him about five yards, and then defensive pass interference is called. So I, I yeah. think I'm stupid. I must be the dumb one, right? I feel like I spent 40 years of my life never seeing a pick play or even having been called out by mm-hmm. uh, you know an announcer or having a call by an official, and now it's like – if you fart in the direction of a uh, corner and you're go- or a safety going across the middle, you're going to get called for OPI. Sometimes. If yeah. you're the right team in the right stadium or the right officiating crew, <laughs> I don't know what the criteria is anymore, to, to be completely honest. I mean, again, when I watched that play, I already knew it was going to get called, but I still don't even know if that's right or not. I just knew it was going to happen. Just an interesting – for the uh... – the 2021 draft update, as we were recording this on Monday night, is now halftime, and the Jets are up 20, 20 to 10. 10. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Joe Flacco at quarterback. Who has Saxies look pretty good. <laughs> uh, you know, again, we're tied for third right now with Dallas for that for that first um, the number one pick. Uh, and um, yeah, <laughs> it would it wouldn't hurt anything if the Jets won a couple of games. So. Just a little update. <laughs> That's um, my Clarissa Thompson update for uh, a game break. Let's move into some stars. Let's let's pivot from all the negativity that we've had to deal with. Yeah, <laughs> just stop being hypocrites and let's actually talk about good things. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I like to get that shit out of the way. Let's talk about some good stuff. And for right from opening kickoff, Jabril Peppers was on track to win a fucking star for this game. I mean, how? How how great was was he in this game? He was all over the place, and you know he's going to be kind of he's a trivia answer to who did we who was the the main guy we got back for Odell Beckham, mm-hmm. and you know 
if we want to compare from the time of the trade to right now, who's had a bigger impact on their team, you can make a valid argument that Peppers has had a bigger impact for us than Beckham has for Cleveland. I mean, maybe Beckham, Beckham is hurt. Beckham's a head case. Beckham's now complaining about his, you know, about his quarterback Beckham. There's the rumors that he wants out. There's all these things. And Peppers is just kind of doing his thing. And, uh, Playing pretty well. He's been playing pretty well. He's injured a little bit, but you know, I, you can make a you can make a case in court that uh, if it was just a straight up trade, one for the other, you know, we could have a claim that we we won that. Maybe, maybe, maybe. I mean, it, it's hard to say right now. I think it's a lot closer than it could be, um, but we'll, well, let's we'll just, see. Let's just put it this way: Dave Gettleman was crucified when he made that trade. He's a liar. He said one thing and did the other. The Giants got fleeced, blah, 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 blah. The fact that you're even saying maybe if it was a, a good point. just comparing one-on-one, just Peppers and Beckham, who's had the bigger impact for their team, that to me says that, you know, and everything else we had with the draft picks after and everything, you know, one of the draft picks became Dexter Lawrence, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. And, so, and Zeitler was part of the trade too. They they it was they were two separate trades, but it was apparently negotiated as one big trade. The Vernon and OBJ for Zeitler, Dexter Lawrence, what became Dexter Lawrence and right. Jabril Peppers or something yeah. like that. Yeah. So, you know, having him showing up in your stars uh, you know, sure. category is you no know, shouldn't be so surprising. He has been playing pretty well. So, we need him back there to be playing well because it could be a real mess back there. Yeah, and and by real well, I mean holy fuck, uh, interception late in the game. I mean an interception at all at any time is going to put you on my star watch for the game right off the bat. But you know crucial point in the game. Um, yeah, I believe that was with about four minutes left. Or no, that was with two minutes and eighteen seconds left. That was Alex Smith was forced out of the pocket. Threw a little bit too high for, I think, McKissick. Was tipped and right into Pepper's hands. Beautiful catch. You know, goes down. Um, he had a fumble recovery on the first play from scrimmage for Washington. As I previously noted with uh, Gibson, the ball was bouncing for about a millennia, it felt like, until Peppers was the <laughs> one who came up with it. Um, he doesn't get this on the stat sheet because it was ruled a penalty. But, you know, the hit on Kyle Allen that eventually knocked him out of the game... Uh, was ruled a penalty for a personal foul, leg whip, whatever, whatever it was called. I don't know how you feel about it. I think it could have went either way, whether that be called or not. Regardless, he created a pressure that ended up in a, a quotes sack, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, and and he had a couple of beautiful pass breakups as well. I mean, getting his hand right in there and punching the ball is beautiful stuff. I, he had a one great of the best game. one of the best games he's had as a giant too. Yeah. His his lone his lone sketch was he was really aggressive um, in coverage and led to a big gain on Cam Sims. So he's he's supposed to be uh, on Cam Sims. He fell for the fake, the throw to the flat, and he tried to be aggressive and shut that shit down, and he, and he got burned. But Alex Smith faked him out. I mean, and that to me is one of those game planning things. I don't think Kyle Allen is that good. I think right, that Alex right. Smith is that good. You have to freelance a little bit when you're not. You know, you're not programmed throughout the week to expect something so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and and quite quite frankly if i'm game planning for kyle Allen, i'm game planning for some underneath stuff a lot of screen heavy shit um so yeah i i I think that might have went into his game planning a little bit not so much him being a bad player um 
My other star for the game uh, is not a single person because it was a little hard to pick one, but the run game in this game, at one point in this game, this looked like a different team. Now, you know, you said earlier that this isn't a great running team, and and I agree with you. They're getting better, but overall, this is not a team that is going to be able to gash people running the ball, able to blow, uh, uh, bleed out the clock. But at one, first of all, overall, this team, their running yards and attempts, four point seven four average yards per run. That's incredible. That's good. That's good numbers. Specifically, the two backs, Gallman on fourteen rushes, four point nine yards per rush. That's great. Alfred Morris only had nine, so you can take this with a grain of salt. But if you watched his chunk plays, they were ridiculous. He is averaging seven point four yards per run. Well, let's start. Let's start with baby steps. You know, the fact that Daniel Jones was not our leading rusher is a sign of improvement. Yeah. Um, you know, as much as we are, you know, people like to bash Andrew Thomas and you know the the offensive line as a whole. It seems like these guys, you know, from the naked eye, and I'm sure when you watch film, you can say more to it, but these guys seem like they do a lot better job run blocking than pass blocking. And maybe that's something as we kind of go through this season, we see this offense evolve a little more, right? I never thought we'd say that without Barkley and just how bad the running game was last year even. But, you know, if we this can be a little more of a consistent type of tone where we can control time of possession, we can control, you know, the line of scrimmage, you know, win the, the running yards battle. You know, maybe just the way we can potentially win some games is to shorten games like that and not rely. And we said this in the offseason and we said it last year, too. If Daniel Jones has to throw 40, 45 times, we're not winning games. He's not ready to be that quarterback. And until he gets well, quite frankly, who is he throwing to? For 40, 45 times. I mean, even if he is ready, even if he is turning that corner, I don't know who he's throwing to that many times. Right, right. Well, I was, I was going to get to that. I was going to say, you know, you know, we could say we were making fun before, like everything is a near turnover. is just as bad. But until he clearly kicks his turnover problem, do you want him throwing 45 times a game? And to your point, you know, we said in the offseason there's no number one receiver on this team. I don't even think there's a number two right now. You know, so he's – if, if we can alleviate the pressure off of him to have to make plays on his own and force things either by himself or to talent that's not capable for consistently doing anything, so be it. And then, you know, that may be the way we have to go the rest of the way. You know, we played on Monday night, and um, it's one of my favorite football hobbies to clown on announcers. You know, I guess. <laughs> I guess just because we've been spending so much time losing um, that, you know, being able to make fun of something that's not my own team is is a a nice stress reliever. But, you know, last week we had to listen to the ESPN broadcast crew not only call people by the wrong names, but sit there and tell you that Tampa Bay has, has such a great defensive line. I have no idea where they determined that. I, I don't I don't get that. I think they're thinking of the linebackers and considering them you know, as defensive they, linemen. I, think they still think, I still, they still think that Warren Sapp's on this team. Yeah, maybe. they might. They might think that Warren Sapp is still on this team. But yeah. this Washington defensive line is actually very good. You wouldn't know it because, you know, their record sucks and nobody cares about anybody in the NFC East. But Jack Del Rio is a great defensive coordinator. This rotation of guys on the defensive line, it, it's a ton of first-round picks in there. And they're not just like... 
you know, Eric Flowers first round. These are good players. You know, again, they don't get a lot of hoopla because most of them are on their first rookie contract and they are not they have not been a good team. You know, really, yeah. I mean, at one point... And quite frankly, you know, all the oxygen in the room is talking about Dwayne Haskins and talking about the name of the team and talking about uh, the owner. So you really don't get, you know... They, there's not really any deeper dives for an irrelevant team other than those highlight stories. Yeah. But, I mean, th- this is a great defensive line. And there were there was a stretch of series for the Giants there that didn't always end in seven. But it, which which is the driving point here, and why this isn't you know a great running team. But th- we were we were looking at running on first down and looking at second and threes. I mean that is a dream for any. I mean I know that everybody loves the passing game because it's quick points and it it chews up more yards and uh, you know. But if you can't pos- do it, you, gotta, but, you better be able to do something else. You know what? It, this is uh, this is not a bad thing to have. You know, second and three, you know what that is? That's a deep shot downfield. Why the fuck not? If you can run and get seven yards, then on second and less than five, I want to throw deep every time. And if I'm not throwing deep, then I want to throw slant so that I can run the sluggo later. The thing that bothers me the most always when I pet peeves, if you're third and nine and you complete that little over-the-middle pass for seven, it's like, well, what good is that? It's fourth down. All of a sudden, if you're in second and three, you, know, you could take a shot. You could be more creative, but... Because the whole playbook is, is so open to you easier. on third and three. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, second and short, that is your money shot right there. That is your chance to to do a flea flicker. You know, you can do whatever the fuck you want on second and that's, short. That's why, and again, it's not exactly a, a fair comparison, but if you watch college and you watch these teams, you know, when you see Oklahoma play Iowa State and they win 65-3 to three or something, look what they do on first down. Because they can they have such a competitive advantage running the ball and doing whatever. They're always getting eight yards, seven yards, eight yards on first down. So it's really easy to do whatever you want mm-hmm. without having to really work hard for first downs. And, you know, another one of my pet peeves always is playing for a first down where you just, you know, meticulously trying to get down the field, whether it's by design or just all you can do. You don't have to play for first downs as much when you are, you know, getting ahead on first down or, you know, picking up six or seven on second down, even if it's, you know, going from second and nine to third and two is just as effective too. So, yeah, um, you know, this team had 74 total plays. I mean, when was the last time we had 74 plays in a game? Yeah. I mean, we had 38, uh, 36 and a half minutes time of possession. Right. They won the time of possession without, without, without question. Now, again, that is an overinflated stat because it doesn't matter if you win the time of possession if you the other team can score really quickly. I understand um, that, but I mean, though, that is encouraging, you know, yes. again, for what, where we are with a Daniel Jones's development, you know, where he is on his, you know, on his career trajectory and with the lack of weapons they have and a offensive line that's still a very much work in process. If we can just do those things, wins will follow. I mean, wins don't have to be fluky where, you know, we're not going to win any shootouts with anybody. So we have to kind of grind and earn these wins. And these are the elements you need to see to put us in a much better position to win. I'm going to throw one more thing at you. Um, On some of these runs where where Gallman was getting plus five yards, six, seven on on 
just running the ball, literally just right up the gut too. I mean, Gallman's runs were nothing hokey or special. Um, some of Alfred Morris's, oddly enough, were stretch plays that he, you know, experienced runner, was real patient with waiting for blocks to set up before he headed north and south, but a little strange to see that. But you could see that he was like one ankle tackle away, Gallman, from breaking it. And you just have to imagine what this off what what this would look like with Barkley back there. Yeah, I mean, and you can't and you can't say, oh, that doesn't it's irrelevant. No, it's not because they're not because to, this is a building team. Something. Yeah, right. this is a young team, especially on the offensive line. These are all really young guys. This is a direction they're going. This isn't a this wasn't a shot for the Super Bowl that they have all these guys on one year contracts and. You know, a coach that's probably well. I mean, Jason Garrett, I suppose, could wind up being a head coach somewhere else at the end of the year. I seriously doubt not, it. But I, not, not this year. Not this year. I I'm, I'm just that. saying, it, it's it's not inconceivable. I, I would, I would I, be I, very shocked if it happened. I would be, I would be shocked if he's not a head coach somewhere in this league in the next three years. Uh, next year, no. I there's not been enough rehabilitation. I mean. Also, we're not very good offensively. Well, yeah, I was, I was just going to say that. It's like we are, you know, we are the ever the optimists, you and I, and we're looking at little green shoots right here. But this team still has two wins. This team still stinks. There's nothing that you can come out. You know, the highlight, the headlines of this team are Daniel Jones has turnovers and Everett Ingram's inconsistent and blah blah blah. So that's not much to put on your resume. But you know, the way this league is, and I think once you see. Jones get another year of development, the offensive line solidifying, you know, getting some more weapons around him. Barkley being back, he'll be he'll be on some team. Somebody will somebody will will hire him. This team is this league is all about second chances and third chances. Um, but I mean, I have, it's not it's not wrong to look at this and be like, oh man, just just wait until Barkley gets to be behind a, an offensive scheme that's you know a, a power run team that's blocking the way they're blocking. I mean. You know that his ability to jump, move, run through guys. I like Wayne Gallman. I don't understand why Wayne Gallman has been consistently buried on the depth chart. I don't know. I'm not a coach. I'm about to get my two farts for the game. And the first fart... Okay. Well, all I'm saying is that I know that if if Barkley is running through the holes that Gallman was getting, I think two of those might have been sprung for touchdowns. Wayne Gallman is a very capable second running back on a team. He's sure, not a, sure. He's a, but he's a very capable one. So if my first fart goes, it's a retroactive fart. It goes back to last year into Pat Shermer. When, you know, Barkley missed a good third of the season and he really wasn't right when he got back for quite a bit. The fact that Pat Shermer buried him to inactivity on the roster just proves that, you know, the incompetence that he was on there. Um, and Gallman had played well in the two games that he started in his place. Correct. You know, it's just trying to, uh, I guess, thinking the grass is always greener on the other side or something. But, you know, that's just, you know, not to rehash bad memories from last year and the last couple of years, but that was just another example why that guy is not head coaching material. Um, the other fart I wanted to say, while we were talking about announcers, <laughs> Jonathan Vilma. Yeah, what was this, his Thanks. first time? I, I think it was his first time, you know, watching a football game when he's like, I think the quote was, it's, you know, very surprising to see Evan Ingram drop, drop an easy one. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he, I mean, he's getting his insider quotes from Nevin Shapiro or something. 
I don't know, man, but because I don't, again, it just highlights that gulf that we have between, you know, your, you know, as a fan of a team, you follow your favorite writers and your favorite bloggers and your favorite podcasters. And you know, the people you listen to and you respect know so much. And when you get to a national broadcast, these guys are supposed to be the smartest of the smart. And we're talking about the color commentators, not just the play-by-play guys. These guys whose specific job is know the league so well, and then that week specifically study the two teams that you are analyzing to be that bad. And that just ill-informed. It's really, it's it's another argument for doing, putting the mute button on, listen to your local guys, because at least, you know, they know your team. And I mean, it's just ridiculous how these guys are in the league. I, yeah. Um, I, I, I don't really, at least, you know, Vilma wasn't, um, I wouldn't say annoying to listen to. I couldn't tell you why I didn't feel that way, but he was just as dumb as every other guy we've had this year. I would say he was a little bit less dumb. Um, Mark Schlereth might have been the dumbest guy that we had because he was I, I don't he was saying things while the replay was literally as he's saying it in real time showing you something different and he's yeah. he's a guy that he should know better than that I don't know why he doesn't Jonathan Vilma just felt like he doesn't have any feel for what the teams were doing um, that well that's just really, preparation I mean yeah. that's, that's a comment that's a preparation thing that's nothing to do with I mean there are not many Chris Collinsworths and Tony Romos out there who sure. can in you real think you'd time, want to be, right? You at least want to know who the players are, at least know what their names are, and at least know <laughs> at least know your three or four bullet points about that player. I at mean, least know that Russell Shepard retired last year. Yeah, I mean, the, again, I just rolled them out like, what are the headline things why Jason Garrett won't be a head coach next year? And I said was, you know, Daniel Jones turnover, the inconsistency with Evan Ingram, right there. Yeah. And, you know, he thinks that was the exception. So I don't know what to tell you. Fox attitude, guys. Doesn't matter what you say. Just say it with confidence. Say it with guy talk. Just a couple of guys at a bar talking. That's Fox. Yeah, Fox it, it, actually, yeah, it does remind me of, of that guy that is wearing the Giants shirt at the bar you're at while the game is on. And, like, you're trying to focus. And he's just like, yeah, I always liked uh, Eli. Thanks, dude. That is not relevant to anything that I'm watching right now. Go sit over there and eat free peanuts. I'm going to go on a little bit of a tangent right now. I'm going to give my third fart uh, <laughs> to the guy sitting next to me on the plane oh, on Sunday. Brutal. I'm sorry. Let me tell you something. You know, it's Sunday. I have my Sims jersey on. I'm playing a division rival. But I have my headphones in. That is the international sign. There's two international signs. The middle finger means fuck you. We all know what the every person on this planet knows what that means and when you have your headphones in whether you're in a plane a subway walking anywhere that means i don't want to engage with you and i don't mean to be a dick but you're doing something i'm doing something and it's just you know four or five times just start talking it's like i'm sure you're a very nice person but i just don't i'm not don't want to talk to you so this is my public service announcement out there. If you see somebody with their headphones on, you know, you don't need to know my opinion on anything. You don't need to know, you know, you don't have to quiz me on the fact that, oh, the Giants, huh? They, uh, you know, they really, 
they uh insert they obvious them, fact. Though, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like oh, that that is brutal. I'm I'm sorry. I mean that is who are they playing this week? That's my favorite one too. It's like <laughs> I don't know, man. Google it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. I don't know. I, 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 I. It's a coincidence. I wore this jersey today. <laughs> we, we were in Jacksonville this weekend, and we went to get uh, ponchos at Walmart because it was about to rain. And this guy is like, "The Gators playing today? Like, it's in your fucking town? It's the cocktail party. How do you not know that? Even if you don't know anything about sports? Yeah. That's like." That's like the event in your town. It's just, I don't know. I know people are trying to be nice, and I'm trying not to be a prick, but God. But but it's one of those things where it's like, I know they're trying to be nice, but you don't really need to have this conversation with me. So it's like, are yeah. you being nice or are you being annoying? You know, you can be nice. You cannot bother me. That's very nice. I don't need to have a conversation with the person next to me on an airplane. You know, I'm lucky I'll have a conversation with you. I mean, much less somebody I, I don't now know. Now you're and, just being a dick. <laughs> um, what do you think about that election? Then okay. that was really. Then I put an ice pick oh, in my ears, but no. don't tell me he really. No, he didn't. He okay, didn't. But okay. you knew it was next. If I engaged, you knew it was coming. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, that's that's the same as bar guy, and everybody knows bar guy. Everybody's had to watch a game at a bar because they weren't home or, or whatever, and you know, some guy. Or alcoholics. Who, what's up? <laughs> or we're alcoholics. Yeah. Well. <clears throat> Ixnay on the uh, um, yeah, but but yeah, this guy has watched the NFL before. He knows something about football in the last ten years, so he wants to talk to you. It's like, bro, I didn't come here to engage with anybody. Like, I am very clearly watching every second of this broadcast on mute. Do you think I want to talk to you? Like, I, I would be sitting somewhere else. Like, and I'm that not guy in front usually, of the TV. And that guy's usually obvious guy. Oh yeah, yeah. You know the he, key he to the Giants, is I Troy think, Aikman. Is the... That's who yeah. he is. Um, <laughs> I really think if the Giants score more than Washington, they have a good chance to yeah. win. Boy, he really dropped it, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I do want to. I do want to. We're going to try and stay positive here. Uh, I do want to give another, not a star, but an honorable mention. And the reason this isn't a star is because I don't think that it was really required, but. The run defense, you know, again, Washington was down by several scores. Um, they were moving the ball through the air anyway, so why why suddenly switch to the run game? But 37 yards rushing for Washington? Hats off to the run defense. 37 yards rushing? Well, I mean, let's – how many uh, – they didn't have that many carries. I understand that, but they didn't have that many carries because they weren't able to move the ball on the ground. I mean, it's self-fulfilling. I agree. Like I said, they were behind. They had to throw the ball a little bit more. Yeah, they only but they ran were behind. nine times. They were I, – I understand. What I'm saying is if they could run the ball, they would have. They also they, – they were behind early. So early that it's not unreasonable to put together a long drive that involves some running game. The point is, is that this defense – is not first of all, we expected this defense this year to not be good, straight up, right? We we thought that this was going to be a disaster of a defense. On top of that, they they have all year been really good against the run. They have been, yeah. And, and I I think honestly, on some level, 
I mean, Antonio Gibson is a big deal to this Washington team. They're very the high thing? on him. You know something? I think they're starting to actually get a reputation that it's tough to run on them. That might have been – They're not even trying. Of, that might have been part of the cause of it. And that's something that, you know, that is a – that's kind of a big step for this team it's, where it's not I can impose my will against this team. They have to react. Now it's – teams have to game plan against what some of our strengths might be. And this is identified strength. I mean, so if you have a team that you know is a pretty good job against the run and you're down quickly, you know, you're not going to run. I mean – Sort of like with the, the Tampa Bay game last night was the same thing. I mean, they were they were down so fast. I think they only had five rushing attempts, and one of them was the kneel down at the end. Yeah. I mean, let me put it this way. Alex Smith doesn't throw three interceptions if he doesn't have to throw all the time. Being able to stop the run and make the other team throw the ball is asking for trouble. Throwing that many times in a game is asking for trouble. This is what you want your team to do. You want to diminish any hope of running the ball. Period. You well, want them to be playing from behind and be throwing constantly. Now, of course, you want to be fucking tackling a little bit better. You want to have a better second corner. I understand all that stuff. Right, but, but that's you know, just limitations of this defense. I but, mean, there's there are pieces that are there. And again, it's from the inside out. Mm-hmm. You know, so I guess we should give a star then while we're talking about him is to Leonard Williams. He played. He's up to five sacks this year. For, for yeah. context, I, I had to. It was it was difficult to even hear any national dialogue about the Tampa Bay Giants game with with everybody's mouth around JPP's dick. I mean, the dude has six and a half sacks. That's one and a half less than Leonard Williams, who apparently was a bad trade. Now, we can argue into the semantics of getting a guy in the last year of his contract and giving up some But he wasn't the last whatever. year of his contract because he's here again. So that, that even that argument's gone because he's still here. Well, I mean, he's tagged. So, I mean, yeah, he's but getting, he's still he's, here, though. Yes. I mean, we, we, we still get a year and a half of service out of him. The point is is that he's one and a half sacks behind a guy who's supposedly having a great year this year, JPP. Yeah. He's one and a half the sacks guy, behind him. The guy, in total hindsight, we should have kept. <laughs> Apparently, yeah. Yeah. Despite ne- his monstrous cap salary cap. Yeah, and having eight fingers and all that. Yeah. So, I, I mean, yeah, you absolutely can give it. And Dalvin Tomlinson is consistently, you know, right up the gut pushing people around. I think, in all honesty, I think that Patrick Graham understands that there's a difference between Dalvin Tomlinson, Dexter Lawrence, and Leonard Williams and what their skill sets are. Yes, they're all mammoth human beings. They have different athletic abilities. Dexter Lawrence can move around. Dalvin Tomlinson is best in the middle. Leonard Williams is extremely long and athletic. You'll see a lot of times you'll see Dalvin Tomlinson in the middle pushing the pocket in and Leonard Williams pulling the stunt and looping around because he's fast. He turns corners quickly and he disrupts shit. I mean, his sack this week, if he didn't get the sack, he would have gotten a holding. I mean, he had two guys literally with both arms around his throat and he still bullied his way through both of them and brought (laughs) Alex Smith down to the ground. He was a monster yeah. in this game. And again, this goes to what we're saying. You stop the run, you rush the quarterback, it forces turnovers. It does. I mean, this secondary still needs to get better. I'm not saying this defense is great. I'm saying that this is how these things happen. And Logan Ryan's interception at the end of the game, that's that was game planning schemery. You know, they ran a similar play with a wrinkle that they were running all all game on defense. And Alex Smith didn't see it. You gave a star earlier to the real peppers. We've said how Bradbury, how big he's been as a corner, but you know, we're halfway through the season. Is uh, Larry Williams, the uh, defensive MVP of this team. I think, I think the three, if you had to pick one guy from each level of the defense, 
it's unquestionably Bradbury in the secondary, Martinez in the linebacker in the middle, and Leonard Williams up front. You can quibble about who amongst those three is the one because they've all been very good where they need to be. I mean, Martinez leads the league in tackles. He has almost 100 already. Yeah, I would say Williams because I think the position, the the importance of the position where it's generating a pass rush, they're doing a good job stopping the run, it's helping the other guys. It's covering up some of the back end problems for sure. It's helping them be better at doing what they do. But if we don't have that that presence up front, these guys may not be as good. And not, not anything against them, it's just their job becomes a lot harder. So I think he's my defensive MVP so far this year. I mean, I think anyone could convince me of any of those three. I think you can make compelling arguments for all three. Oh, yeah. Yeah, if I yeah. had to pick, I'm picking Bradbury because, I, I, quite frankly, I don't even know if he was targeted in this game. I'm not I'm not really sure if Bradbury was targeted. I'd have to rewatch the whole game and really focus on where the throws were going, but I don't – he might have had one target, one target on him maybe. Even if, even if it's one target on him, I mean, that says everything I need to say. Exactly. Quite frankly, they are just – they are – well, cutting their losses also, on his side of the that, field. You know, him being really good and also so many questions on the other side too. Sure, but I mean, the fact remains is that if his guy was getting open, they'd be throwing to him. Yes. I mean, and it's been that way all year. When he is targeted, he's breaking it up. Or, I mean, he's got three – he leads the team in picks. So, um, yeah. I mean, if, if it were me, I'm picking Bradbury. But, again, you could make a compelling argument for all three of those guys. And I don't – I don't think there's a fourth. Do you? I do not know. Yeah. I mean, other guys have played well. Peppers has played well. Kyler Fackrell has played pretty well. Um, you know, but the de- the defense. You know, if you take out even the numbers and everything from the uh, the Forty Nine er game, you know, it's a it's a solid. They've done con- a consistently solid uh, job this year. You know, not being helped by a consistent offense. Sure. Yeah, I would. I, I, that's probably been their biggest bugaboo on defense has been behind maybe just getting off the field on third down has been, you know, just getting tired by yeah. late third quarter. Yeah. That's really all I've got from this game. I don't know if you've got any last notes you want to throw in there. No, I mean, just because the division is so terrible that, you know, we play, we play Philly again this week and, uh, <laughs> we're not out of it yet. I mean, we've already discussed the importance of playing meaningful games as building your team and as fans. And, you know, we have a shot to play the division leader on uh, Sunday. We're not that far behind them. So, you know, if we're looking for goals and things to get excited about and we're playing, you know, a, a bitter, bitter rival. So this weekend has it all for you. It does indeed. So Sunday, the Giants will host the Eagles. This is usually like a week 16, week 17 matchup, you know, but yeah, lo and behold, it's week 10. And then I believe we have a bye, right? That is correct. So we'll have some special shit for the bye as we go through whatever news stuff happens throughout the bye. And then if there's really nothing newsworthy during the bye, we'll just go over, you know, we'll assess the team. You know, at it's not the midpoint in the year, but it's pretty close, and it's it's the bye week, so it's a good time to sit back. I think and it'd be a assess. good time. Yeah, yeah. We we kind of glossed over a little bit now, a little teased it, 
like talking about the defense, but we'll we'll go through a little more uh, in depth, you know, on, on the whole roster, things we like, things we don't, things that could be fixed, things that can't, things to target next year, you know, goals for this year, things like that. Yeah. But nevertheless, this Friday morning, you will have in your subscription service of Spotify or Google Play or iTunes or wherever you listen to this, you'll have an episode previewing our second matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that I would like nothing more than to spit in the face of every single member of. Another another division team that we did not play that long ago, so everything is still fresh in everybody's mind. Yeah, definitely. And also another division team that also is not that very good. So a winnable game for sure. Um, again, guys, don't be negative. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying this while out of the other side of my mouth saying – Forget about the standings. This team needs to be focusing on week by week just trying to win a game. If you do that anyway, you'll wind up in the playoffs or at least in the hunt. But this team just needs to focus on winning games. This is a game they can win. They should try and win this game. Giants, again, with the exception of the San Francisco game, have been competitive in every single game this year. As a fan standpoint, it's been very frustrating how they've lost these games and they've been aggravating, but... They are not playing unwatchable football. They've been entertaining games that, you know, the balance is, you know, the, 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 the result isn't known by 1.30. So it could be worse. We could be watching just a steaming pile of crap, and we're not. You know, it's just – we're not a good team yet, but we're not unwatchable. So watch us. You know, get ready. It's rivalry Sunday. You're playing a team you hate. And if you win, who knows? Maybe you actually have a shot to win something. So, I mean, wouldn't that be nice? Wouldn't that be fun? But in the meantime, be sure to follow me on Twitter. I'm at football underscore grump. And I will be tweeting things out as soon as the All-22 film is available from this game. And I can actually dissect it a little bit more. Catch me as always at the Cranky Fan where uh, I am talking Giants. I am talking Gators. I am... uh, I'm all over the place, so uh, give me a follow at The Cranky Fan. And as always, this show can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Podbean, you name it, it's around. So sign up for free, get these episodes in your queue in the morning, every Tuesday morning and every Friday morning. Absolutely. And with that, we will see you all Friday morning. Go Go Giants. Giants!